0: You all all may be seated. Welcome today uh, to Wildwood Christian Church. So we uh, today have set aside a very special day to just really um, focus on God and honor and worship Him. And I'm glad that you've chosen to be here today. You know, one of the goals I have as a minister, as a pastor, is to help every single one of you in your faith journey right wherever you happen to be to try to encourage and challenge you to just take another step but i make some assumptions and sometimes those assumptions are not always correct and one of those areas of assumption is this area of worship right that we all come into this place with the same kind of mindset right It was real easy to come to church. It was real easy to get here. And for some of you, that was very true. It was very quiet when I came here. But maybe you have little kids, and it's not quite as quiet, right? And so we come into this place. And then another thing is we don't all have the same experiences in regard to what we um, have gone through in the past. We have different expectations of what we should see And should happen as we gather together in this particular place. And so today I want to try to help you have an understanding of worship. In fact, all of us up here on stage, we want to try to do that through this very special time of worship. So here's what David said about worship. This is Psalm chapter 63. David said this: I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I have beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Now the reason David wrote these words, we'll talk about here in a little bit. But suffice it to say that David was going through a very challenging time in his life, and David knew that he needed God. In fact, he needed to worship God. It's not just when things were going well, but especially when we feel like we're kind of in this dry, desert place in regard to our souls. So what does David say here? I mean, he teaches us that worship is not an activity, okay? You didn't come to worship, right? You didn't show up to an event. You came into God's presence. It's not an activity, but worship is something that flows from our hearts. And so he says a couple things there. He says, first of all, I have seen you in the sanctuary. That's a good preacher word, sanctuary, right? Uh, It's just a word that describes the place where God's people gather to worship. It's the picture of a kind of this corporate, all of us together, we gather, I have seen you in the sanctuary. So what David's doing is he's recalling a time, it's difficult right now, but he's recalling a time where... He remembers worship. He remembers God's people. And he says there, I've seen you in the sanctuary. I beheld your power and your glory. He understands the glory and the power of God. He's seen it work in and through him. He's seen it happen. I mean, there's something that happens in our lives when we step into a time of worship to Almighty God. His power works in our lives. And then he goes on. He says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Because your love is better than life. The love of God for you. The love of God for me. It's better than any. Life is not what we breathe and the beating of our hearts. It's real life. It's significant life. Life of purpose and life of meaning. Because your love is better than life, what my lips will glorify you. And then he says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Now that word praise, I will praise you, is a word in which we say to God, God, here's what I think about you. But it's not just I appreciate the things you've done, but it is um, honoring God for his ap- attributes. God, you are great. You are Loving, you are mighty. Now there's a, or you are mighty and merciful. There's a, there's a time and place for thanksgiving, but praise is really just saying, God, I recognize you for who you are. I, I I will praise your name. And then he says, I in your name I will lift up my hands. Now we raise our hands sometimes to surrender, right? Or we raise our hands because we need help. Sometimes we raise our hands because we're acknowledging. Man, aren't you amazing? Aren't you great? In your name, I will lift up my hands. So I want you to do uh, an exercise for me. Everybody shut your eyes. uh, Close your eyes. And I want you to raise your hands up. And as you raise your hands up, I want you to picture God seated on the throne. And not just any kind of throne. It's a throne that is larger than anything you can imagine. And surrounding that throne are tens and thousands of angels who are bowing down and worshiping God. And so we raise our arms to God to say God, you are great. You are awesome and you are mighty. So you can put your arms down as we worship. We worship picturing God. Okay? God is the audience. We're the ones that are the performers, not that we're trying to put on some kind of a show, but from our hearts, we worship God together. And so as we worship today, if you feel led, lift up your hands. If you feel led, clap your hands. If you feel led, bow your head. it's, It's a true flowing from our heart as we express to God, this is how we feel. And so today, Don't miss this opportunity to fully express to God how you feel about Him. Open your mouth as we sing, even if what comes out is a terrible tune. It's still something that honors God. With our lips, we glorify Him. Worship is something that is expressive as we come into His place. And so today, as we have this special day, let's worship Him together. So stand with me, let me pray for us, and then remain standing, let's worship. Lord, we love you, we thank you. We've stepped into this room recognizing that you are present, and we look to you. Lord, we lift our voices to you, our hearts to you, our hands, our minds. And Father God, we worship you today. In your name we pray, amen. I want to invite our ushers to uh, receive our offering at this time. Um, if you're a guest, please don't feel any obligation to give. We'll have our communion later in the service. I'll explain that to you. But the words that David just spoke were from Psalm chapter 63. And so I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 63. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you there. The page number is in your notes. Um, you can use the Uversion app and look up our church Um You can use your own Bible, we'll have it on the screen, but um, the words that David speaks in Psalm chapter 63 were written in a very difficult time in David's life. I mean, it would be what most people call a kind of a wilderness time or this desert time. Um, I think most of us at some time in our life have felt that, right, where we felt isolated, Or we felt distant, or we felt alone, or we felt like God was as far away from us as we could ever imagine in our life. Where, in a sense, as you'll see from the words of David, it's almost like our soul feels like it's dried up. There's just nothing there. We have nothing at all left to give. And so, for David, this wilderness that he experiences here in Psalm 63 is both literal as well as figurative. It's literal. Because David is in the midst of actually 10 years of running and hiding for his life. So David had been anointed king of Israel, but not long after that, the one who was the king, but God had rejected, decided it was time to end David's life. And so David spent 10 years of his life running, hiding in caves, fleeing from the army, fleeing from his, for his very life, having not one moment of rest at all in the desert in the wilderness. Um, for 10 years, David ran away from Saul, trying to escape with his very life. And so David's wilderness time was very literal. But as you can imagine, it was also very figurative in his life. I mean, as he writes these words, he's not just describing the scenery that he's gotten accustomed to seeing, he's describing what's going on in his very soul. Because there were times that he felt alone. And so these words of the psalm in which he says, in a dry and weary land where there is no water, that's exactly how David felt. He was describing this deep, weary, tiredness, emptiness that he felt in his life. And it's important for you to recognize that though David was a man after God's own heart, that's how he's described Though he's a man after God's own heart, David felt empty within his soul. And I think there's times in all of our spiritual journey, our times with Jesus Christ, where we can relate to how David felt, where he felt a million miles away from God. And the wilderness, I think, is a place that we have all been. It's a place where some of you find yourself at right at this very moment painful seasons where we feel isolated, we feel separated, we feel distant from God. I mean, I know I felt that. There's, there's been a couple of times in my life where I felt just kind of dried up and distant from God. Both of those times were some pretty significant conflicts um, that I had, uh, one with somebody who was just a part of a church in the past, somebody who was a leader of a church in the past, um, and those relational conflicts weren't like, you know, I don't like the kind of music you sing or, you know, your sermons aren't deep enough or, you know, I wish we would do this or we don't sing enough country music. It wasn't, you know, that kind of complaining. It, it, was, it was this sense of a, a person who literally just hated me and antagonistic against me for a significant extended period of time, those seasons of great animosity where I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. It felt a little bit like the guy who wakes up, wakes up on Sunday morning and he turns to his wife and he says, Honey, I don't, I don't think I want to go to church today. And she says, Well, I can understand that, but let me give you three reasons why you really should. One, God really loves you. Two, there are a lot of people there who love you. And three, you're the preacher. So you need to show up. And the problem with those kind of seasons in our life is we, we almost feel like we want to do anything to make the pain go away. And that's what gets us into a lot of trouble, isn't it? I just want to make this emptiness that I feel go away. I, just, I, I don't want to experience this anymore. And David knew that there were times like that in our life in which we feel very, very empty. So what do you do? What about you? When you've had um, a dry season in your life where you feel like you're spiritually in a desert, where you feel like God is like, I can't even reach him. I I don't even know where God happens to be. What I love about David as he writes this Psalm 63 is the personal way in which he writes about Um, his view of God even in the midst of this look what he says in verse one there he says you God are my God earnestly I seek you I thirst for you my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water I love what he says he says earnestly I seek you I thirst for you my whole being longs for you See, in the midst of this pain and emptiness, David is not trying to find an answer, right? He he is not looking for religion here. He's not trying to find ten easy steps, you know, to be able to overcome whatever problem he has here. He knows the answer is his relationship with Almighty God. I seek you. I earnestly need you. I am longing for you because I know, God, in the midst of the emptiness... And the temptation to fill it with other things, that you are the only one who's the true source that can fill my life with the kind of things that I desperately need. So what do you do when you find yourself in the wilderness? What, what, what can you do? What can we learn from David? Because we're following after different people of scripture we talked about daniel we talked about joseph the last couple weeks we're talking about david what can we learn from david's honesty about how when he was in this desert what he did what can we learn in other words is there a way out of the wilderness are there some things that we can prioritize in our life that helps us in the midst of that and i think david teaches us there's some number one David remembered the power of God. David remembered God's power. He says there in verse 2, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Now again, David is writing and reflecting back to those times. You know, He's writing in the midst of a dry season, but he remembers the times in the sanctuary where God's people had gathered. And again, there's something that happens when the Spirit of God is present and God's people are worshiping God and they're honoring God. Something happens in our hearts. And David experienced that power and that glory of God. And some of you have experienced that. But David's also reflecting on how God has worked in his individual life. David's the one who killed the giant Goliath. And he had the faith in God to do that because God had helped him do other things in his life. He was remembering. In other words, when he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory, he's thinking about and reflecting about the great things that God has done in his heart and life. And we, we need to do that kind of reflecting, that kind of recollecting. We talked about that some last week about writing things down and thinking things through and remembering the great things that God has done, his great power at work in our lives. In fact, Paul said it this way in Ephesians 1. He says, his incomparably great power is for us who believe, speaking of God. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. His power that rose, brought Jesus forth from the grave that defeated death is the same power that can be at work in your life and my life. But when we find ourselves in the desert, it's like, I I can't experience, I can't feel the power and the work of God. And so we need to remind ourselves that God's power is for us and that he desires to work and to change our lives. God's power is always working. The second thing from David is we need to worship God's presence. We need to worship God's presence, which is what we're doing today. We need to take time to acknowledge God for who he is. And so look what he says beginning in verse three. He says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. He says, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. And so that's what we do when we gather. It's For the purpose of honoring God and recognizing him for who he is and allowing God to move in our hearts and our lives. Gathering together as God's people is such a critical thing to do. It's so important for us to make this choice, to prioritize this choice. So let me challenge you in a couple of ways in regard to worship, okay? And remember as I say these things, I do love you, I appreciate you. It's time to show up on time, to recognize I'm not just going to an event or an activity. You know, God, sitting on his throne, is looking down at you and I, and he's anticipating a time of worship. We can worship God at any place, but there's something unique that happens that we need in our hearts and lives when we gather together and we worship. And I recognize again, you know, not everybody's a singer, right? But as David shares with us here, worship is about um, using all of us, our hearts and our minds, but our mouths and our hands, you know, it's a worship. And so even if you can't sing, at least mouth the words, right? Picture and think about the words that we're singing and the God that we are singing them to, you know? Be careful of making those critiques of worship. See, I I get in trouble for this because I'm sitting here thinking about all the work that's been put into it, and so it's a little bit challenging for me as we worship to think, oh, this didn't happen there, or that didn't take place, or they forgot that, or oh no, I forgot to do that. And I really have to make a concerted effort to just stop and think about the words and God who it is that I'm worshiping. And when we worship God's presence, something powerful happens in our life. You need this. As David talking about thirsting for God in a dry and weary land, this needs to be a priority when we gather as God's people. Um, We also need to practice worship when we're alone. So I won't ask how many of you are shower singers, right? But... There, there's times where we can worship God all by ourselves, and sometimes that's the best time, right, because I can sing off tune and nobody around me knows, right, because I'm out in the middle of nowhere or in my car or, you know, at least far enough away from people in the house. Worshiping God by ourselves is a great thing to do, you know? Listening to, you know, asking, I was asking Alexa, we'll do that so everybody else's phones won't pop on, right? But uh, to play worship music or something. That happened like three times while I was practicing, so I had to make sure I didn't say the wrong word right there. Um, You know, it's having words available. I mean, it's, it's, it's the kind of music that worships God that really impacts you, right? Because we're all unique in our personalities and experiences, and so even while you're by yourself, use that as an opportunity to worship God. It's a great part of lifting our eyes up to God, of focusing each day. And so we need to honor God, especially at times of worship, especially in the desert. And the third thing is we need to wait on God's work. We need to wait on God's work. David teaches us, look what he says, verse 6. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. I mean, this is a a picture of waiting, right? David's remembering, but he's waiting. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of of the night. He's not talking about God doing some great work. He's just saying, I remember. In other words, there are seasons and times where we have to wait on God and his work in our hearts and our life because you know what? God often does his greatest work when life is the most difficult, in the wilderness, in the desert. And when we can be patient and when we can trust that even though I don't want to be here, I don't like being at this time, that we can trust that God is always working. And so we need some patience. I mean, D- Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, right, while he was tempted. Joseph, it was at least 12 years before Joseph even reached a place where he was, where God wanted him to be, or at least it felt like to him. Here's David spending 10 years in the wilderness. So don't try to rush God's work in your life. God's preparing us, right? God's teaching us. God is training us during these desert times of our life. So maybe maybe God has you in the wilderness or the desert, Um, maybe because of your own sinfulness and rebellion. I mean, God uses the difficult times to hone away the sinfulness the pride of our lives and that may be why we're in that particular season right now um maybe we're in the desert because of god's protection from something that we have no idea i mean god david was in the wilderness because saul wanted to kill him i mean god was using that to protect him maybe god has you and i in the wilderness because he's wanting to build our character But like David, we can trust in God that God loves us dearly and is working in the way that he sees best, even in these most difficult of times in our life, in fact, especially in the wilderness and in the desert. So the problem with being in the wilderness or this desert is that when you are thirsty, anything can look good. (laughs) Thank you. You know, you look off in the horizon, and it's like, oh, that looks so good. But then when we get there, it's like it's just empty. It's meaningless. It's a mirage. And so often we try to fill our lives, that empty feeling, right? That desert feeling. We try to fill our lives with things that simply cannot satisfy, that are an illusion, that are empty to us. And David knew this. He knew. That God was the only one that could satisfy the deep thirst that he had deep within his soul. That nothing else could do that. That we are restless until we find rest in him. So what's the mirage that you have been trying to fill, that emptiness in your life in this desert season? What what does that look like? It's time to acknowledge it. It's time to give that to God. We give it up because that mirage is a, is a lie. You know, like I said, you know, when you feel that emptiness in your life, you'll, you'll try almost anything to, to make that go away. And that's Satan. That's the enemy working in our lives to try to get us to substitute something that really can't fill our lives. Eugene Peterson says the first step towards God is a step away from the lies of the world. They're lies. They're empty. They cannot fill us at all. And it's time to name that lie and to repent of it. Repentance is not an emotion. Repentance is not feeling sorry for our sins. Repentance is a decision. It's saying, I am wrong. I am sinning. And God, your way is best. And so today, I challenge you to, to repent of trying to fill your life with the things that just lead to emptiness trying to find satisfaction in the drink or in the drug or in looking at porn or that purchase or pleasing people or the juicy gossip or that desire to put other people down or trying to receive the glory yourself or making that sale or the sex or that relationship all of those kinds of things that we try to fill our life with they're simply illusions they're lies that only lead to heartache So today I challenge you to name the lie and to repent of it, to give that to Jesus Christ and claim him and him alone for our satisfaction. So in a moment, as we have a time of communion, we're also going to challenge you to, to say, here's the thing that I'm trying to fill this void in my life with, and to write it down, to name it, and then to say, Jesus, I repent of it, and then we give that to him. And so for some, this psalm is a psalm for another time, right? You are not in the desert. Life is lush and green for you. But you need to remember David in the lessons. For others, it's, it's a time that we remember being in, right? We, we've been in that desert. We remember what that was like. And it's a time to praise God for his work then and his work now. But for some, this psalm today was just what you needed because you feel isolated you feel alone you feel distant from god and the way back comes only through the recognition of a holy god who loves you and is always reaching out for you he is always pulling you to him and then we worship and we wait for god to do his work in our life and in the waiting sometimes we have to repent We give up that which we have been chasing, trying to quench that thirst, and we say, God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. So I'm going to invite the band back up, and we're going to continue to worship today. Um, And I want to encourage you as we spend more time in, in this time of worship to give your heart to God. We sing songs, some familiar, maybe some unfamiliar to do. Um, So we're going to spend some time in worship through music, and then we're going to spend some time through communion and through responding to God. And I'll come back up and explain that. But we choose to worship Jesus, our Savior, who is worthy of all honor. So let me read this Psalm 63 again to you, and then let's worship together. David says, You, God, are my God earnestly I seek you I thirst for you my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life my lips will glorify you I will praise you as long as I live and in your hands I will lift in your name I will lift up my hands I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, your right hand upholds me.